Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 22 of the Kennedy Mile Report. Brought to you by our great sponsor, Bill for Time. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Hey, Tom, no product launch in recent memory has commanded the attention of Apple's iPad announcement, which happened two days before we recorded the episode. Um, there have already been, I think, thousands and thousands of tweets, it's fair to say, blog posts, articles on the iPad. It seems everybody is talking about the iPod, and everyone has an opinion. Um, I think we'll be talking about the talking iPad today ourselves, won't we, Tom? We certainly will. Uh, In our first segment, we're going to discuss the hype surrounding the coming of the iPad and whether lawyers should even be paying attention to the hype. In our second segment, we'll bring you another installment of things we've been talking about. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But on to our main topic, the major event that happened this past Wednesday, January 27th. No, we're not talking about the certain annual speech that was given in Washington, D.C that evening. Uh, Something even bigger by technology buff standards, the unveiling of Apple's iPad tablet computing device earlier in the day. Ever since uh, Steve Jobs said that he wasn't interested in developing a tablet computer a couple of years ago, uh, the tech world has gone berserk speculating on where and when Apple would actually produce a tablet. Uh, We even discussed the potential uh, coming of the new Apple device back in our podcast here in in October. Um, As January 27th approached, the rumors ran rampant that uh, the Pope, that Madonna, that even Obama would be joining Steve Jobs on stage uh, during the announcement. kidding, of course. I mean, I saw that that was going on on the internet. Uh, But, you know, the obsession over this device leading up to this week has has truly been crazy. Uh, Let's get into our talk about the iPod by kind of discussing the features. I'll I'll go down the the general features, and I keep, you know, we've both said this twice, iPod versus iPad. I think that may be one of the the downsides of the name is there's a little bit of of, uh, possibility for confusion in terms of talking about it. But here's what the iPad features are going to be like. It's it's a 10-inch device, a 10-inch screen, so uh, a, a big, nice size screen. It weighs about a pound and a half, which is probably a little too heavy if you're going to try and hold it in one hand, but uh, but would be just fine if you're holding it in two hands. It does have multi-touch like an iPhone or an iPod Touch has. Uh, the, the battery life that they claim is about 10 hours, which is fantastic for a device of that nature. Um, it offers both wireless and 3G uh, capabilities. The, the K, uh, 3G will be offered by AT&T, not on a monthly contract basis, but it'll be prepaid. Uh, so that's a difference there from the uh, from uh, the, the iPhone or the iPod Touch. Uh, the, of course, it comes with the App Store, the App Store with over 140,000 apps, and you can run any of those on the... You, you should be, or at least that's what they're claiming, that you'll be able to run these apps on the iPad. Um, they've introduced a fantastic book reader. It looks wonderful. Uh, color book reader with a bookstore accompanied, so you can buy books and read them on... Uh, 
the iPad. Of course, you can probably read Kindle books on the iPad as well. They also introduced a productivity suite, iWork, so that you can do documents or spreadsheets or uh, PowerPoint presentations. The, uh, the, there are th- going to be three different versions uh, in different price ranges. You, you can get them in either 16 gigabytes, 32, or 64 gigabytes, um, either Wi-Fi only or Wi-Fi and 3G. The pricing uh, starts at $499, which is a really good opening price point, um, all the way up to $829 for the largest Wi-Fi 3G uh, tablet. For, for all the things that it has, though, both you and I recognize that it doesn't have everything that we would want or need in a device. Dennis, what kinds of things do you, are you seeing that the iPad doesn't have? We know there's a there's a list of them, and that also it might be helpful to people that a lot of people see this device as like an overgrown uh, iPhone or iPod Touch. It has a a similar look. It's like it's really kind of grown up and and is is bigger. And so there's going to be a familiarity with it. Um, and as Steve Jobs himself said, that people who are familiar with the iPhones and the iPod Touch will take to this right away. But there. There was such hype over this, and it was going to do everything uh, for you. And people talked about these amazing things that they expected to be on this tablet. So I think everybody is was a little bit underwhelmed with the actual announcement. And I think people tend to focus on the things that affected them most that weren't there. So for me, I heard there was uh, there was no USB uh, slot, and I was like, oh my god, that. That is really a problem for me because how am I going to get data onto there or manage large amounts of data? Because uh, 64 gigs is a is a lot, um, but it's not all that much if you're if you're doing a lot of music and and video. I mean, I have a 16 gig iPod Touch now, and and I, I really struggle with that. Uh, I think cost is an issue. I mean, there's a lot of focus that it's 4.99, but that's a 16 gig. Uh, device without the 3G uh, internet connection. I don't know that many people are going to choose that one, really, especially in, in the business world. So I think it's, I really look at it as more like an $829 device. There's no camera, um, like I said, no additional storage or uh, storage slots. And so there are a number of things along those lines that I think are typical of. Uh, of Apple and eliminating those ways to connect and kind of forcing you through uh, the iTunes store and and their other approaches to delivering content. So I said, no camera is a big one for a lot of people, meaning no uh, regular camera or video camera. And I think the big one is still not a multitasking device. So you're still going to do one thing at a time. I think that for heavy users and people who look at how they might use it could be a, a, a big drawback. I don't, know, I don't know about you, Tom. I, it, it seems like the multitasking is something I've now started to focus on as, as maybe being a big issue for this device. How about you? Oh, I think that, you know, if you're planning on using the iPad as a productivity device, and we're going to talk later about how we would best use this, um, I think that the multitasking makes that a deal breaker. I I think you can't be productive when you're only in one program. You know, if I want to be running one application, you know, just even a a music application like Pandora, I can't run that and and work on something or do something on the device. I I see that really as the biggest drawback. Uh, In addition to the ones that you talk about, though, there are two others that I think are 
are fairly big. Uh, one of them in terms of uh, in, in terms of the browsing experience is that there's still no flash available in the internet browser. When you're on an iPod, uh, I mean, iPod touch or an iPhone, the lack of flash probably isn't that big a deal because you don't need uh, your web experience to just be amazing on a small device. You just need to get your information and go. But part of the reason for the iPad is to be able to have that wow moment and be able to have a good browsing experience. So I think that's a big disappointment. But finally, to me, one of the, the big killers is that it's like you said, like a big iPhone or a big iPod Touch, it's a closed environment. Uh, you know, it's the the applications are what you get from Apple. Uh, you, you can't download or put any type of software on it that uh, that doesn't already uh, exist or hasn't been approved by Apple. And so, I think that's that's another huge issue um, when we when we talk about what uh, uh, what we have on the iPad. You know, why, Dennis? Do you think though that Everybody has gone mad about the iPad. Why is there such a hype? And maybe I guess the better question for this podcast is, is that hype justified when we're talking about tools for lawyers? Well, I, I think that basically what it comes down to is that sort of the computing environment has gotten boring to all of us. And so that we're looking for the next big thing. And, you know, it didn't happen with Windows 7. It doesn't happen in productivity software. You know, so you're saying, well, what what is that new device or something that will really kind of get us all jazzed up and excited about computing again? And so I, I think that this has come along at the time. And for whatever, then there's also a weird convergence of events that just turned, got this hype going and rolled it and rolled it and rolled it into being a, a really big deal. And it, it's also happened at the same time that the iPhone itself has exploded and, and there's millions of people using that. So people are saying, hey, I'm already using iPhone, iPod Touch. Wouldn't it be nice to see video on a bigger screen, do some things on a, on a bigger screen? So so I think I think that plays a part in it. And there's this, I also have this sense, you know, I'm a big tablet fan. Um, I mean, when, in preparation for this, I went back and looked at an article I wrote five years ago where I really, uh, you know, talked about tablet PCs for lawyers, how they made sense, what I liked about the tablet PC I'm, I was using at the time. When I replaced that with a regular notebook, I still regret that I didn't stay in the tablet world. Um, so I think that the tablet... Uh, form factor is interesting. And so people have a number of devices. This is bigger. We like the touch thing. My daughter and I were in the, the, uh, the cell phone store the other day, and it really surprised us when we picked up a phone that you didn't have a touch screen on. That's how much things have, have changed recently. So I think all those things come together and the tablet uh, you know, form factor becomes really interesting. And there's, you know, Tom, you and I both have experience with PDAs, uh, tablets, iPhones, iPods, all sorts of different things. Um, and, and so you see how this could work and where it doesn't work. And I, and, and I think there could be people who don't have that same background who are instantly attracted to this very, good-looking device that the people who have their hands on it say is incredibly fast in, in how it does things. And and so I think that's coming together. And there may be people with sort of more background in it who say, uh, you know, I'm not so sure because there are still issues with the tablet form factor. 
You know, I, 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 I think a tablet, as in its purest sense, the tablets that have been made before, to me, are much more useful as devices that lawyers would want to use than what I'm seeing right now with the iPad. You know, I've, I, I'm hoping that there are, and I think that the, the iPhone already has a couple of these devices or applications, but I'm hoping that there's some application that allows people to write on the, on the screen to create it just like they would on a tablet, like you're writing on your tablet using OneNote, I would hope that there is an Apple equivalent to that. I haven't seen it yet, but obviously we're early days on that, and it's and it's very possible that could come out. But really, the question that I have here is, what niche does this fill? What who is this for? Is this for lawyers? Is this for um, you know? Is it for early adopters? Is it only for the people who are going to be uh, uh, the first on the scene for technology? Um, I, I read an article by David Pogue in the New. New York Times that he called the iPad a big bag full of potential. And I agree with that. I think it's got a lot of potential, but I also don't view this right now as a working device. I mean, I think that you had said it earlier, and I'll adopt your statement that you call it a lifestyle device. And I really like the idea of that. What What are your thoughts in that area? Well, I think that people have started to look at Apple in terms of the brand and, and saying, uh, you know, if people, the big Apple uh, so-called fanboys uh, can really drive you crazy with their, you know, their sense that Apple does everything perfectly and that everybody needs to have one. But it's it's kind of a lifestyle choice. And so the same way you might buy a fancier car brand uh, versus a regular brand, and I think you can do the same things with uh, with computers. And, and there's a reason to buy this new iPad just because it's cool and it's something that you want to have in the same way that you might want to drive, you know, a poor or, or whatever. And it's just, you know, it is a, a lifestyle choice, a lifestyle device. And it's possible that this tablet can fit exactly what you do. So I think it's like, uh, you know, other things, Tom, you talked me in recently, uh, finally, after a long time, talked me into getting a Kindle, which I really like. And now I really understand. I think the iPad is a really easy decision if you travel a lot. Um, it'd be really tempting uh, to do because it does a lot of things. And then it also, uh, I think what you're getting to is that uh, in, in one of the points you were making, is Steve Jobs, when he talked about this, said this device fits in between the cell phone and the laptop. And that's the space that it occupies. And and so I, I think that you, you start to think along those lines, say, well, is that a niche that I really need filled? Um, you know, how does that how does that work for me? Am I replacing something by buying the, the tablet or am I adding something? So Kindle, I'm happy to add another device. Um, tablet, I need to think about, is it going to be a replacement or an addition? And and is, is that something I really want to do? So to a certain extent, it's a product in search of a need for, for some people. And it also illustrates how as we move to convergence devices, um, you know, where it becomes, it does a lot of things in sort of, you know, good enough ways, whether that's the way we want to approach or whether each of us needs a special, some certain specialty devices. So I don't know about you, Tom. I, I don't know that you would swap your Kindle for this necessarily. Well, you know, that's the, that's the one thing that I've been thinking about because to me, uh, the iPad fits 
the niche for a couple of different people. I think that readers are going to like the iPad. I think especially news and magazine readers. Some of the things I've seen about it displaying newspapers and magazines um, are fantastic. I think it's beautiful. The fact that the the reading is in color, unlike the Kindle, which a lot of people think is, is a downside to the Kindle, um, would make it attractive. I wouldn't mind having a color uh, reading device. Now, the fact that it's a lot heavier, that it's hard to hold in one hand, that's the form factor there is a little different. I, I don't know that I'd want it to be my reading device, but that makes it intriguing to me. I think gamers would find this to be an intriguing device, playing games on this, maybe multiplayer type games, a lot easier to play on the iPad than on an iPhone or iPod Touch. And I think casual web surfers can 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 use this. I agree that it really fits that niche between the phone and the laptop, but there's a lot of things that a laptop can do that this device is not going to be able to do. I don't think that it's going to be a Kindle killer, but I think that there's the potential for that to happen. You know, Amazon needs to adapt fast, and I think they're already doing that. Amazon has begun developing applications and doing um, Kindle reading platforms for all types of different devices. So you can read Kindle books on any phone that you have, on any wireless device that you have. You don't have to have a Kindle to do that. So I think that Amazon is using this as their means of, of adapting. I don't see them necessarily bringing out another device to compete with the iPad. Um, they may be moving on to different areas. I could be wrong about that, but uh, I, I think that'll be, be be really interesting. How how do you see, if at all, Dennis, whether this, uh, how, how this works for lawyers well i mean i would uh we're speculating i mean neither of us has seen one neither of us has held one there's just a very limited number of people had it so we're all kind of guessing as as to what's out there um i i see this device as a as a content delivery device something that you consume content on for now so this could be a way that you get information uh you know, take information with you, be able to read things, put put stuff on it, get, uh, you know, media. Like I said, for travel, it just makes great sense. The little, uh, you know, the the uh, smaller versions of the the Apple uh, Office type products, uh, you know, Keynote, it's equivalent of PowerPoint, makes sense um, on this device. So if you travel a lot, um, I mean, the tablet is just really seductive, I think, for lawyers uh, who are saying, shouldn't there be an electronic uh, legal pad? And, and, and I recommend the earlier podcast we, we did on that topic uh, because I think that may be the holy grail of, of technology for lawyers. Now, I'm not sure. In fact, I doubt that Generation 1 of the iPad gets to that. Um, but I think it can do some really interesting things for lawyers. If you ask me to guess what's going to happen in terms of of lawyers taking this up, I think it's going to be largely solos and people doing it on a personal basis because I think, uh, you know, so much of legal technology is driven by IT department decisions and um, IT departments tend not to be open to Apple products of, of any form. And, and, you know, on day one, there's already articles talking about potential security issues on this device. Well, you know, I think that you're right in terms of content consumption, uh, that that's where we're going to see if, if lawyers are going to use it. That's where it makes sense. I think we talked before about the, the, the potential of using the Kindle to bring into court and, uh, and, and have your treatises or your 
rule books or your procedure books um, available on the Kindle. Tremendously useful and convenient to do that. I think that this device goes a step better uh, because there are already applications that are coming out. I know that Fastcase um, developed an application where you can browse case law and search case law on the iPhone. So there will likely be a companion application uh, for the iPad as well. So I, I think that this becomes a device where lawyers can access that type of information easily, bring to court with them, bring on the road whenever they need it. I'm also intrigued by some of the speculation that maybe an iPad would be useful in the e-discovery field um, when it comes to review of documents, that being able to carry around a pad and review documents uh, wirelessly uh, is is a, a useful thing. And I'm, I'm not sure, frankly, how that would work out and, and, and whether some of these review companies or law firms would want to buy uh, iPads for all of their attorney reviewers, but it definitely is an intriguing, uh, intriguing possibility. Let's wrap this up, Dennis, and play some odds makers. Uh, explain the game and, and let's talk about it. Well, we're big fans of the ESPN uh, TV show and podcast, Pardon the Interruption. One of the things they do is they'll throw out a question and on a quick basis say, what are the odds of this will happen, sort of percentage odds. So so let's, let's play, Tom. What's the percentage chance that uh, you think the iPod is truly a game changer? Well, I have to ask the question first, and, and this is more of a rhetorical question, but a game changer for what? I, I don't see if, if, if Steve Jobs is coming in and saying that this fills a niche between phones and laptops, that it's a game changer for anything. It's just a different means of delivering the content, a different way of looking at it. Um, I, I, you know, Based on the lukewarm uh, reception that I think a lot of people have given it so far, I'm only going to give it a 25% chance that the iPad is a game changer. What about you? You know, I'm going to give it an 80% chance, not so much for the device what? itself, but for the 80%? conversation for the conversation around the device. Because what I think is going to happen, this is one more big step toward the mobile platform. It opens up a, a new paid content delivery vehicle. And I also think it pushes people in a very strong way uh, to cloud computing. And so I think that lawyers who, who go to the iPad are moving to the cloud, whether they realize it or not, and, and they'll need to think that through. So I think it's going to be a catalyst. That's why I give it such a high percent. It's going to be a catalyst towards really changing the way we do things. Well, I think you're clearly wrong, but let's move to the next one. What Dennis, is the percentage chance that you will buy an iPad in 2010? Tom, you know me well, so you get a kick out of this. That the Originally, when I wrote this question down for the script, I actually filled in the blank with 1% as I did did a lot of reading and preparation for the uh, podcast today. I'm, I'm not now surprised. thinking I'm in the well into the 90% chance that I will buy this because I think it opens up... Uh, this mobile platform in new ways. And I think that's a place that, that I want to be at. I think that I, I think that right now I am at about seventy five percent. I am intrigued enough by the by the book reading possibilities of it and the content conception possibilities. I'm just I just need to find a way to justify it and, and, and justify having a laptop and an iPhone and an iPad. I mean, being an early adopter that, is that my only excuse for having one? I don't know. So right now I'm going to say seventy five percent. It's a pretty high chance, uh, but there I am. What about the percentage chance we'll see the iPad make serious inroads into the legal profession in 2010? 
Okay, I was going to go down to your 1% there, but I'm going to go up. I you, you make a good point about solos. I like the rumor about e-discovery, so I'm going to go at 5% that it will make inroads into the legal profession. Dennis? I'm going to double you on that and go 10%. I think we're going to see it in the solo area. We're going to definitely see it by the, from the what I'll call the Mac lawyers, the people already in the Mac environment. Uh, maybe a little bit in, in big firms, but I think IT departments drive uh, those technology decisions. Budgets have already been put in place, and I don't think there's that much of a place yet. Be interesting to see what happens in 2011, though. All right, that's it for Oddsmakers. I've clearly won. Uh, before we move on to our next segment, uh, let's uh, take a quick break with a few words from our sponsor, Bill for Time. Bill for Time Tracks organizes and invoices your billable time online. It's accessible, customizable, and mobile. Qualities you need when you're in and out of the office. All Legal Talk Network listeners get a total of 60 days free for the light or professional version. Go to billfortime.com slash legaltalk and type in Legal Talk as the promo code to take advantage of this special offer. That's bill, the number four, time.com slash legaltalk and use Legal Talk as the promo code. Are you interested in sponsoring programs on the Legal Talk Network? We'd love to have you on board. Contact our sales department today at 781-551-9960. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Tom, let's do a quick installment of our What Tom and Dennis Have Been Talking About segment. Or, or maybe we should call it the What Dennis and Tom Would Have Been Talking About if they had the time to talk about it segment. Um, what we've been wanting to talk about is the debut of the new Westlaw Next, which uh, was unveiled at Legal Tech uh, this past February the 1st. Uh, Dennis, you and I got a kind of a sneak peek at uh, the new platform. Can you briefly describe uh, what you saw and what you think it means? Yeah, I would like to thank uh, Gretchen DeSutter at, uh, at Thompson, uh, who invited us to be part of uh, an early viewing of some of the, uh, of uh, a demo of the new new generation. And it's it's really, uh, you, I want to call it a new generation. It's a complete redesign of, of the whole Westlaw interface, how it works. Um, it's interesting to me because I, I'm in my practice and it's been this way for many years. I really don't do much in the way of the classic legal research. Uh, when I became a partner at a firm, like many lawyers, I had associates who did that. And then the nature of my practice is since not litigation I, and it's not tax anymore, I don't tend to need to do a lot of research. So in a, in a way, my viewpoint is kind of unusual, but my reaction, I think, um, is really interesting because this they really took the learning of how the internet works now and so all of the things that i remember from the classic legal research tools that annoyed me and i thought were really cumbersome and really old style have been really moved up to a new generation and there's an easy to use interface lots of things make sense there's some web 2.0 concepts in um so you can you can find things that if you look at something you can see what other people and this will grow increasingly valuable over time you can see what other people have looked at it's easy to find things that you've done that are related um my my reaction, my two word reaction uh, to what I saw was it's just a home run in terms of what I see. I, I'm but I was interested in, in to see what 
people who do a lot of research in the old system, how they would react to it. Well, you know, having having worked in the field of e-discovery for the past couple of years, I haven't had much opportunity to work in, in Westlaw, but I will say the same thing. I really think this is a home run for West. Uh, we don't have a lot of time to, to talk about it, but so I'd really like to talk about the couple of features that I think are, are truly uh, outstanding. And the first is the homepage. You know, when I went to the Westlaw homepage beforehand, it was a mess. It was, there was all sorts of uh, text there. It was just very busy. It was hard to tell where would you start. Um, it didn't make it very intuitive on where to put uh, your search terms or what search terms to put in. If you didn't know the citation number or the name of the case or anything like that, it was it was very difficult doing a search. They have uh, simplified it so much uh, by understanding that there are two things that, that, that lawyers want to do with searching. They want to browse. And so you can browse all content from the first page just by hitting the links. You can browse cases, rules, experts, Expert witness testimony, jury verdicts and settlements, dockets, um, trial court orders, uh, transcripts, any of those things, just by clicking on the link, you'll be taken directly to that area. What's even more interesting is at the very top, they have sort of a universal search box where you can put anything in and it is smart enough to understand what you're putting in there. The search terms, citations, the, the names of the database, anything you want to put in, it will understand it and take you to that location or give you search results based on the type of information you put in. I think the other thing that is really interesting to me is with regard to the search results, because now, in addition to just getting the results, you have a truly what I call faceted search so that you can drill down to through your results to get to things without having to learn complicated Boolean connectors or anything like that. On the side, you can you can look at whether it's a case or a statute or regulation. You don't have to do searches in separate databases. If you want to only look at federal courts versus a particular state court, um, whether the case is reported or unreported, you can narrow down and filter your results very quickly. I, I think uh, I, you, folks listening to this podcast, uh, when you get a chance to, to go take a look, please go and, and see the new Westlaw. I think you'll be very impressed. And I, I think, Tom, I would add that what they've done with the relevance and, and obviously we saw an optimized demo, um, but what I saw that they were doing with the relevance of the results um, was really impressive. And like I said, it, it builds on some of the things we've seen with Google, some of the things with uh, and Google will be the obvious analogy for people who see the, the new version. But I think a lot of the Web 2.0 stuff where you say uh, or the Amazon recommendations, you see those types of features being built in. And I think that um, it could be very powerful uh, over time. Uh, but I will say, seeing some of the reactions of people, I, th I think that cost is still going to be a concern on this for lawyers and the, uh, the free research tools that are springing up uh, may have an impact on what how this can be charged and, and how well it will be adopted. But in terms of what it does, very impressed. And uh, I was pleased to get the early invitation. But Tom, it's time for our parting sh shots. That one tip website or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Take it away. 
Okay, my parting shot is very quick. I, uh, I, I, on the people I follow on Twitter, they are always posting links to useful articles or things that I uh, that I will want to read. But sometimes I don't have time to go through Twitter uh, and find all those links and find all that interesting information. So I found and thought was very useful a site called Read Twit, and Read Twit actually creates an RSS feed for you of all the links that people post to your Twitter feed or to your to all the people that you're following on Twitter. So just subscribe to that RSS feed. It will then pull out all of the links that come into your feed and display them as full articles so that you can decide whether you want to read them later, save them, or do something else with them. It's a great way to consume information if you're using Twitter and RSS readers. That's a great time because I've been thinking about that and I couldn't quite understand what it does, but what you described is exactly what I was hoping it would do. I want to do two quick things. One relates to the iPad. Um, Dan Bricklin, who's one of the the inventors of, of VisiCalc, the first spreadsheet, has done an iPhone app, uh, app that allows you to write and capture that writing on the iPhone. Just a little app. It's that simple thing of writing with your finger and, and capturing it. I mean, I'm really interested to see what happens with that on the iPad. I think that could be that sort of missing link or a little bit of a killer application in having the tablet work the way you want so you can actually write notes on it. But the other little thing I wanted to do is Russ Codner wrote an article on Techno Lawyer recently that um, just remind me, there's this a great tip is a lot of lawyers use Adobe Acrobat and in the last couple of versions, it's had this little feature called the typewriter. And uh, Ross just makes a point that you, with this feature, you can throw away any that old typewriter you have uh, laying around because you can scan a document, any document that is a PDF. You open up the, the typewriter function. It puts a cursor that you can put anywhere, and then it types just like a typewriter. So if if you have some kind of a PDF document that maybe somebody has sent you, sent you uh, for an exhibit to a contract or something like that, and you can't. You can't get in there and, and edit it for whatever they've locked it or or whatever that you can uh, you can just type say exhibit one exhibit two or you could you know uh, you can fill out forms that you get just like a typewriter it's a great simple thing just the use of a function already in the in the in software that you use and uh, it's a great reminder from from Ross that this, that's a truly useful tip. I love the typewriter, and I use it all the time. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Links to the topics we discussed today, as well as how to follow us on our blogs or on Twitter, will be available on our show notes wiki, which is located at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast... I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. And while we all wait for the next big Steve Jobs announcement, keep listening to the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.